<laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We're telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world. And today, the two of us are not all over the world. The world traveler, Mrs. Worldwide, <laughs> Air Tra- Mrs. Worldwide. on the call. Uh, Welcome. What's up? We're here. We're in Dallas. We're in person once a month. I feel like we're, you know, getting back into our rhythm, our consistency. And I, I love that for us. Me too. And we're doing a lot. Yeah. Been moving around, doing all kinds of stuff. Doing lots of uh, events, both you and I. Conferences. Uh, conferences. Like you got, you got to go to your first conference. Uh, you also got COVID. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But um, yeah, we've been really busy here at Diabetics Doing Things. We've got some awesome recent episodes. Uh, one that really stands out to me is Mary Mosier. Oh my really God. loved her episode. We're going to be doing some uh, more work with her in the mental health space uh, here very soon. Mary's incredible. Her episode, I learned a lot that day. I feel like we, I, I came in in like a bad, we've had episodes before where you come in in a bad mental health space and I came in that day and I was like, oh my God, kill me. And then at the end of it, I was like, can we just stay on the call? <laughs> It was a really nice, a really safe space. Uh, I listened to that as well over again, and it was really nice. So shout out to Mary Mosier. And we'll have future episodes with her, so we'll keep an eye out for that um, and some mental health stuff in the future also. Also upcoming on the pod, uh, Q Delara, who is the president of Medtronic Diabetes. She's the, uh, the new leader of the diabetes division at Medtronic. She's going to be joining us. Uh, that'll be happening in July. So very excited to share that with you guys as well. So much exciting stuff. We're always, I feel like we're always doing things, always on the move. Um, I want to talk about these conferences. I went to ADA, but you went somewhere also. Yeah, I did. I went to Endo 2022. What is, does, do you know what Endo stands for? Uh, it, does, uh, it does have an acronym, but I don't know what I'll it is. I'll put it in the show, producer job. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> so yeah, Endo is, uh, well, both of the events are geared towards HCPs uh, primarily. And uh, obviously for part of their jobs they have to do continued edu- continuing education okay. credits uh, and endo was a certified event where that could happen so it was a lot smaller than ADA but I haven't been to ADA in a few years and uh, this was the first like in person since COVID uh, yeah. it's back so what was that like for you so first of all ADA was huge it was their 82nd scientific session so that's what it's called the scientific sessions right and I f- first of all there's so many patients there like a lot of people that I met on the internet and now I know in real life, hello friends. Um, And that was really cool, but also I was just, it was an overwhelming amount of information that we were covering and that just, I think everybody, by day three people were like, this is conference burnout. And I was like, this is normal? Like this is, you guys are used to this? And I was just, I was like, oh, I'm just tired, but. (laughs) Well, and I mean, I think events are tiring anyway. You're uh, up early on the event floor, going, walking around, standing on your feet all day. You know, like dinners and meetings yep. and, you know, parties or, or what have you. Um, and, you know, it's a lot. And I think for somebody with diabetes, especially, you're kind of in the minority there for the most part because it's mostly doctors. Industry. And it's an industry, right? And so you're dealing with your diabetes. You're visiting and reading about diabetes. You're in poster sessions. You're going to sessions about diabetes. And, I mean, honestly, some really heavy hitters who go to ADA every year, like people who like literally wrote the book on diabetes management are there, which is exciting. Um, but it can be a lot. And especially when you're working there and you were there yeah. for work, uh, you know, burnout is a real thing. But there was a lot of people there that were there just to learn. And I thought that was so interesting, like people who either had diabetes or they were like the care, excuse me, caregivers of people with diabetes. And I was just like, 
Like I met this one couple who are a mom and dad that were there from like Minnesota and their daughter has diabetes and they've been members of the ADA for a long time and they just really believe in the work that's happening. And they were like, we, you know, contribute money to this and we want to go to this conference and we want to know what's happening in the future of the space. And I was like, wow, that's so beautiful. Like it is a place that although maybe everyone who mostly tends to ATP or industry, patients are there and they want to learn about their care and what's accessible to them. And that's amazing. Like, you know, good for them. Yeah, and I think I think it also it reminds me of like CES, which is like the Consumer Electronics Showcase, is a huge trade show, probably like the biggest trade show uh, in the U.S. And it's like that for diabetes. It's just CES for diabetes. It's all the new uh, tech, all mm-hmm. the new you know medications and innovations there. Product theaters, like all the big brands are out, kind of like showing all their stuff. And generally during ADA is when everyone announces. Like their big thing. new stuff, mm-hmm. which I noticed this year. Maybe it's because I work at a diabetes news publication place now. Which, if you need news about diabetes, visit dietribe.org. But <laughs> I noticed that everybody dropped their stuff around ADA, and I was like, "Is this? Are y'all playing a game here?" Like, do I? <laughs> so I think I'm learning a lot about the space, and it's just uh, interesting to grow within what I'm learning. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it, it obviously is. Uh, My dad's like, there's a stigma now to having stigma, COVID. Don't yeah. tell anybody. And I was just like, what do you mean? Like, it's not, you know. Well, but I think what's interesting about that, because I agree with your with your dad's take, is like people don't share it uh, because they feel judged. And you shouldn't feel judged to get COVID because it's the most, <laughs> literally the most transitional. It wasn't my disease, fault. Right? And uh, I think as well, you had different symptoms this time around because your first time with COVID was not. Your symptoms were not very severe. No. Uh, and you've been vaccinated. Sorry uh-huh. to box you like that. but Yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, but you had a, a difficult time the second time around. Dude, I thought I was going to die. There was like this one night that I was having these like crazy heart palpitations. And I was just like, oh my God, is my... And Heston was out of town. He was uh, helping his sisters move. And so like, I was like, am I, is my heart just going to stop beating? Like, am I going to die? And I really didn't... Like the first time around my biggest issue was like just movement. Like I remember I struggled like having a fever and I didn't feel too good. And I remember that... And I specifically remember because I remember I didn't shower in like three days and I told you and you were like, ew, Eritrea. <laughs> but this time, like I didn't have that problem. I wasn't super exhausted. But when I would sit for long periods of time, weird shit would happen like with my breathing or my heart or I get lightheaded. And I was like, girl, what is going on? Like I couldn't eat anything. That has never been a problem for me. Appetite's not a thing. <laughs> and like now, like I was just like, girl, what's happening? Like, I don't know. I turned into a baby. I'd never done that before. So. But you're fully recovered now. Yeah. Uh, and you bounce back, but yeah, I think I think for it's the most part, an important thing to remember is that even if you've been vaccinated, COVID is still serious. Still don't want. I it. want to talk about post-COVID. Yeah, so let's talk about it. I was not the only person at, at my job who got COVID. So it was me, another girl with diabetes, and a gentleman that I work with. He and I were for the most part okay, but and I was able to like, and I don't know if it's because I do those um, treatments in Mexico, like that give me more oxygen or the medication my mom sent over. But post-COVID, I was okay. And my coworker who has type one is not like she is still really not feeling well and is really under the weather. So the reason I bring that up is it's really important for all of us to be mindful that all of us recover from COVID differently and to be really understanding of people who maybe two weeks after COVID still feel bad. Like we, I would don't think that we should expect people to be like, Oh, it's the flu. You are, it's the same for everyone. It's not. Um, so if you're someone like me who got COVID and maybe you're still struggling, like, Take it easy on yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Like COVID is still really serious. Like, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like over two years ago, we had, uh, our first guest on the podcast who contracted COVID-19 and he was very asymptomatic, didn't really have a ton of problems. 
but that is not the case for everyone. No. Uh, and it is not a one size fits all solution. And I hate that some people are like, oh, COVID's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Like, no, it's still a thing. Like, it could still be, have long term complications. There are people who have long COVID. Protect yourself, wear your mask. I'm so glad that on my way home from New Orleans that I'm not saying it to make myself feel better, but I wore my mask the whole time in the airport. And I can't imagine who is grateful that they didn't get COVID from me. Right. So um, let's all just stay, stay vigilant, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, because I think like you don't, you definitely don't want COVID. No, it's not I, fun. I don't want to knock on wood. I do not want it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm gonna be good. I promise God, like never again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what else is going on? Oh, so you are, last time we had an episode, we talked a little bit about like me, my pump broke. I was having a bunch of issues with my, with my tandem. And so I think you mentioned that you were going to try the in-pen for a little while. Yeah, so that's right. We did talk about that, and I teased it out. Uh, I'm working on some content right now to tell you guys a little bit more about why. Uh, and I've talked about having trouble with some of my sites and having some of that uh, lipertrophy. Right. Uh, as you guys know, lipertrophy is when you kind of, it seems like scar tissue, but it's really mm -hmm. built up from insulin in your fatty tissue. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, during a period in my 20s, I didn't really rotate my sights very much. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can call me a, a bad diabetic or whatever, sure. Uh, but now I had been, I'd gotten into pretty good shape and, I, and I'm, you know, more active and I'm playing basketball a lot more again. And that makes me really happy, but it also, you know, presents challenges with my sights. Right. So uh, I did find some success with the steel infusion sets with the Sure So I actually made a YouTube video about that uh, and that's up on the channel. Um, but I decided that I, that I wanted to see what it would be like to go off of the pump for a little while. And because Medtronic had introduced uh, and acquired, they acquired Companion Medical last year, they had introduced that as part of the therapy that was available. And I was like, okay, maybe I can go back to multiple daily injections for a little while. So right now I am on multiple daily injections and I'm using the in-pen. Cool. And you know, it's funny, I, I kind of have like three, three things, uh, as you know, I love lists. So the first thing is like absence makes the heart grow fonder. I miss auto mode. I love yeah. auto, auto mode. My sweet, sweet friend, <laughs> I will return to you one day uh, because I, you know, it works so much in the background. And I think diabetes is not just counting your carbs at meals. It's not just remembering when to give your nighttime or your long acting insulin or whatever. It's also everything that happens in between and auto mode just makes that so much, just removes all of the thinking and really gives you an advantage there. And I, and I, I definitely miss it. Uh, number two though, I gotta say, it's nice to not have sites on, I only have my yeah. CGM on, so I'm on guardian connect in the in pen and man, I was talking to my wife. I was like, Erica, I can just torque my towel. I can like really towel off, you know, like, cause you know, when you have a site, you stop right before your yeah. site cause you don't want to wipe it off by accident. Or do you ever like take like your shorts off or your leggings off and you're like, Oh shit, I don't want to accidentally rip off my side. Oh my gosh, you have to yeah. very carefully remove your clothing. That's, that's what I told uh, that's what I told one of our Medtronic partners. I was like, honestly, this sounds weird, but when I take my pants off is when I notice it the most because I don't have to like tuck my pump under my armpit. Yeah. I don't have to put it on the shelf and like turn the right way so it doesn't fall off while I'm changing my pants. You can be wild with it. Mm. Yeah, I know. I can just like <laughs> sleep in shorts. I like take my pants off. It's like whoosh, I'm like Jim Jim Carrey and uh, Bruce Almighty. Just whoosh, You're Clark you know? Kent, like in <laughs> Superman. <laughs> Uh, which is great. Yeah. And, and you know, it's summertime too. So I've been swimming yeah. and, and doing that, doing my ice tubs and I don't really have to worry about the pump, which is, uh, which is nice. Uh, and number three, I really love the in app. It gives you all the, this is non spawn. So don't worry. I, but I do love the app. It's just like a pump. It tells you when you gave your injection, it connects to yeah. the in via Bluetooth. Uh, it has my CGM information there. 
and uh, how much yeah. you have on board i think that's cool that uh, it's I, really nice that part like for me because i think we were talking about the lows and how like when you're no longer using your pump like what's in you is in you dog like right and you know auto mode really helps when you when you get the arrows down it like pulls the insulin out basal right and uh you can't do that when you're on yeah. the injection so yeah severe hypoglycemia is a big risk and boy those hit hard yeah. so uh it's different huh it is different uh you know I, I i've been so i've been getting used to that and uh, but you know really with the app you know the hardest thing sometimes about injections is did I do this? Remembering, did I inject for my meals? And like, yeah, we're all busy. We're doing a lot of stuff. So it's cool to be able to track that through the app. It also generates the reports really easily. Uh, and you know, I logged in through like my CareLink or whatever, so I can like update it in real time. It'll tell me my average glucose, the standard deviation, the variance, like really nice. So, so. you're still doing things. It's not stopped. You. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're I'm chilling. still, I played a basketball game last night. Nice. Uh, I'm uh, still doing all, living my regular life. And one thing I actually is kind of interesting that I realized about my diabetes more recently. And I, and I talked about this a little bit is like, whether I'm sick, whether I'm on fat, rapid, ultra rapid insulin or regular insulin or inhalable insulin or a pump or CGM or injections, my diabetes is kind of the same. <laughs> like, so it's just, I, you know, my carb counts are re relatively the same. And I admit this is a great privilege. You're a perfect yeah. specimen. Uh, like I you're am. so annoying. I am annoying. Uh, and you know, I think that that's something that I always have to remember when we talk about diabetes is like, just because we in the very peak of knowledge about the diabetes community, just because we think it's old news or it's too simple, somebody out there may be hearing it for the oh, first yeah, time. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I've had uh, a nice break now, uh, mm -hmm. you know, on, you know, kind of detachment a little bit, a little bit of detachment issues. Maybe that's a good, that's a good like set of detachment issues. Yeah, taking I off guess your so. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, again, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, the severe lows hit different. The in-pin app is great. And yeah, I'm just uh, looking forward to continuing to be able to towel off a little more aggressively. Not towel off aggressively. Well, I'm glad that you're doing well. And I guess that kind of tees up my favorite part of these in-person episodes, which is the mailbag. Mailbag. Yeah. Should we have like a little jingle? We gotta have a song. <laughs> we gotta get yeah. a jingle okay. or something. Done. But one of the questions that we asked was how many hours a week do you spend on your diabetes? So that's something that we ask like the general diabetes space. But now that you are, you know, MDIing it, how many hours do you think you spent this week thinking about your diabetes? I don't know. I have no idea. You uh, don't know. I Not a lot. I feel like I, um, it's it, intermittent, you know, it's hard to say. I don't find myself compulsively checking my numbers. Okay. I also, it's been, uh, because I'm off auto mode and off the pump, I get less alerts, um, you know, alert on high, alert on low, but I don't know. I, um, I guess, no, uh, that's not true. Uh, well it is true, but I, I guess I do know I, I had a tough night. We were, uh, we went on a trip and I just, we were real active during the day and, uh, you know, I maybe miscalculated some carbs or pizza and I had probably a hundred carbs just to try to correct. And I couldn't get above like 80 milligrams for deciliters. And it's it was the middle of the night. So I was like waking up every hour, like trying to go. And it was at a hotel. It wasn't really easy to like get snacks because it was late at night and they didn't have like a vending machine. So I was like mixing up sugar packets from the coffee maker Ew. like in into like water and chugging it. So. I've done that before with like, I've also oh. made like very little like coffee and then like put all, like a shit ton of sugar pa packets in there to like melt right. it. And then you're just like, I'm just going to have to. 
take it to the dome. Like, yep. what else can I do? That's what I was doing. I was like shaking it up in the water bottle, like chugging sugar water. And it worked. And uh, so, I don't know, probably three hours a week average. Three hours a week average. Okay, I like that. So, my favorite, so there's a bunch of answers, but Michelle Andrea underscore number three, she said the time limit does not exist. Okay. And I really like that because I was just like, I don't know how we can actually measure those nanoseconds of thought. Like, even right now, while we're having this conversation, I'm like, what's my blood sugar? Like, mm. I feel like anytime I'm talking to someone, I'm like, oh, by the way, like, what is my sugar? So, let me ask you this like, when you ask yourself that, how how well do you know when you're in or out of range? Can you just, if somebody just said stop on a dime, like what do you think your blood sugar is? How close do you think? Should you we do it right now? Uh, yeah. Well, mine, my blood sugar is on my phone recording. So I, okay. Oh yeah. Let's just yeah. Let's okay. Great. Um, so okay. what's your blood sugar right now? You guess it. I'm going to say like 180 something. Okay. okay. Let's look. Jeez. I'm got to wear a dress with a hole. This is a diabetes pump friendly dress. It's 90 and dropping. <laughs> okay, so 90 and dropping. So Let me uh, suspend my ins. <laughs> that, that's a real interesting thing because... But I have hypo and awareness. So, right. So you've lived with diabetes for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I have terrible hypo and awareness. Like, I'll have seizures. So Okay, so I also, I feel like, and this is, again, placebo. I don't really know if this is true or not, but I feel like that the CGM and wearing a CGM for a long time gives me hypo and awareness. Uh, huh. or just blood sugar on awareness because I just am so used to being able to know what it yeah. is that I don't have to rely on my instinct. Um, this huh. is an, this is an interesting aside, but, um, like okay, if yeah. you didn't have access to it, do you think you'd feel your lows more? Like I do. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I didn't have it, it's kind of like a crutch, right? You know what? I feel that way too. Cause when I like in between CGM deliveries, I'll be like, Oh, I don't have my CGM. So I'll have to test more. And I feel like I'm low a lot less, but maybe I just don't. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you just don't notice. Hmm. This is interesting. We're going to have to do an experience. Okay, back to the mailbag. This yeah, yeah. man always does this, by the way. Um, okay. Yeah, don't get me started. Right, so many things. Okay, so the, one of the other questions that we asked was, um, okay, have you ever had to use mutual aid to manage your diabetes? I thought this was really interesting because a lot of people saw the story and a lot of people did respond and they were like, yes, when I did not have insurance and I like struggle, I don't want to like say people's names because I feel like this yeah, is yeah. a bit more private. So sorry if you're expecting to get shouted out for this part. <laughs> Thank you for responding. To Thank our you stories. for being honest, but I'm trying to like you know protect your privacy. Um, Fifteen people said yes that they had shared diabetes supplies with someone in need. So that that's a lot of people to say yes. I have sent supplies to someone. Um, a lot of people did view the if they've ever used mutual aid to care for diabetes. Many people viewed it. Only six people were brave enough to say yes. Um, but I just thought that those numbers were really interesting. Um, I also think that they said something about like the stigma and shame of being like, I can't admit that I've, I've had to use mutual aid, but I can say that I have helped people who needed it. Um, so I think that that was really interesting that, you know, there's people out there who do rely on the community in order to care of their diabetes and they don't have other resources. Well, I think too, it just comes back to stigma around being poor and, and stigma yeah. around having to ask for help and stigma around charity. Um, so yeah, shout out to the people who, you know, were able to raise their hand, but also I think it's, it, it speaks to what we talk about a lot, uh, internally is, you know, the people who need our help the most, we're not reaching because yeah. they're not connected. They're not engaged with the diabetes world. Yeah. So, um, I think know. it's also really easy to look like a person who's never needed mutual aid. Um, I think that for me personally, I, I come across as someone who is like really privileged and lucky and I am, I'm super privileged. I'm so lucky in my life now. And I always have been, but there was a long time that I didn't have insurance and I can't tell you the amount of people who sent me free insulin in the mail 
I think Kristen Falbell was one of them once and Laura Marston. And like, I think once there's a crazy story, but once I was in Austin, Hess and I were in Austin for some reason. And I had an insulin bottle like break and it was the only one that I had on me. And I posted in a random Facebook group because at the time there's all these mutual aid Facebook groups and someone in Austin put insulin in a lunch bag and was like, you can pick this up off my doorstep. It's right. And they just put it out there. So like we've, we're all just one insulin bottle breaking from possibly needing mutual aid. Like you never know. Um, yep. So all that, all that to say it's not, it shouldn't be as shameful as it is. Like if you need help, there's people who will help you. Yeah. And you know, we are, we are one of them. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah I think I that's know. like, you know, even just one offs, it takes courage to ask somebody that you don't really know. Uh, but also courage to, to ask somebody that you do know. You yeah. Know, I dropped off insulin for a friend a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and was I inconvenienced by it? Sure. But like way more minorly compared to what that person was going through. Uh, and so it's like, hey, yeah, I can help you out temp- and, and bridge the gap for you and, and, and be there. And I think that's something that we were talking about recently as well is we will always keep the perspective here that we are all one car accident, one, uh, you know, unemployment claim, one, one bad event, insurance, like life event yeah. from really potentially needing help. And yeah. you know, we can't judge people for, for, you know, having the courage to ask when they need that stuff. Also, we've been asked before, like we've received messages of diabetics doing things. And that's also why I was saying this is if you're a person who needs help, like tag us, we'll repost, we'll reshare mm-hmm. the post. Like there's no issue with resharing like something that people need help. And what I've learned in the 20 years of having diabetes is a person with diabetes will always help you if they can. Yeah. Like we will, I feel like as a community, like if you've got it, like here you go. And you know, shout out mutual aid diabetes. We, Absolutely. We, uh, want to continue to champion hey, their cause. Yeah, hey, hey girl. Hey, hey y'all uh, and Allie and, and team. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's mutual aid. Mutual aid is very important. Yeah. What else we got from the mailbag? So yesterday we asked everyone, or we, we brought back up the old statistic, which is your favorite statistic, is that the 180 hours is what a person with diabetes loses in a year. Is it sleep, your favorite? Sleep, like, yeah. that's your favorite? Well, that was the one that everybody shared the most. Okay, great. The fall. I don't know if fave. it's my favorite, but uh, <laughs> I do like it. If I, had to get, if I had to give one, like, diabetes symptom up, it would be that one. Yeah? The boy needs sleep. Do you like sleep? Are you a sleepy guy? Sleep. Are you a sleepy a guy? Sleepy boy. <laughs> I think you answered this question and you were like, a shit ton. <laughs> like, yeah, that was my uh, shit ton. Because the question was, how much sleep do you think you've lost in this last week? And I'm going to say, this is so bad, but I don't lose sleep over diabetes. I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm hyper unaware. So I'll just, mm. I don't trigger. I'll just die. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, like your, your pump goes off though and wakes you up. Sometimes. Mm. I'm really bad about it. Layla has to wake me up a lot. Like, it's it's a lot of my dog being like you're really sweaty are you okay erica wakes me up too she's like ah your, your alarms are going off again. Ew, make it uh, stop and yeah the in-pen app or the the medtronic guardian connect noise that it makes the alert is such a strange sound and can i get also, an imitation it's like blink. <laughs> <laughs> uh and i don't know that's that's probably a bad one but like yeah it's it's uh it's it's wild so but this anyway. past week how much sleep did you lose like a lot well because of uh because of that one night i guess it was Saturday night, uh, I mean, yeah, I probably lost five hours that Didn't mess alone. up your whoop dealio? Oh, yeah, my recovery was low. Uh, it had more interruptions, you know, less lower sleep quality. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it was it was difficult. So, And I was like, you know, I kept waking up. And, like, one time it was like 3.40, and I'm like, okay, the hotel snack bar opens in an hour. Should I just stay up? <laughs> it's like, I've okay. done that before. You know, yeah. and those are just cursed thoughts. So a lot of people answered this question. I thought that it was interesting that 
first of all, the funniest answer is Jay Money Flip. He was like 180 hours. He was like, that's how many hours I lost last week. The limit doesn't exist. Um, but what was really common for people was to like to say seven to 10 hours. Mm. That was like at least six people said that. Per I, week. That's like a whole night of sleep per week. That's a whole day. That's so much time. And I, one of the girls who said seven to 10 hours, she said, easily and deep sleep i only get that a couple times a year so it just made mm. me think like how does that impact your mental health as a person if you're not getting real sleep and also all you nandis are really don't even take y'all be taking sleep for granted i know i want to fight i want to fight <laughs> yeah I, uh, I i love the huberman lab as you guys know uh shout out andrew huberman phd making science accessible okay um and he talks about like what's the best nootropic uh sleep What's the best antidepressant? Sleep. What's the best physical fitness performance enhancer? Sleep. Is it not walking? It used to be walking, right? Like well, 10,000 steps a day shit or whatever. Yeah, but if you don't sleep, like you're not, your metabolism, your circadian rhythm is all going to be off. Like what's the best mental health? Uh, what's the best mental health medication? Sleep. So you're telling me that if I had a terrible night's sleep and I go for a workout, might as well not have gone for the workout. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but like think about how your blood sugar adjusts when you, when you don't sleep well versus when you do. Damn. And so it's like your body, it don't, you can miss, you know, if you're losing seven to 10 hours of sleep a week, that's, you know, let's just call it what it is an hour a day plus. Uh, so now you're sleep, you're just behind and you're building up a sleep debt. Okay. But I'm mad now. So I'm gonna put you on the hot seat. What time? Okay. Perfect. Specimen CEO, master of the universe, Robert Howe. What time do you go to bed? <laughs> Thank you for using my full title. Um, <laughs> Not your government name. <laughs> uh, I have, I will credit my wife for giving me better discipline about forcing you to go to bed about bedtime. And I mean, really, uh, because I was kind of a night owl and I was like, I would get my creative hours between, you know, nine and one, 9 PM and 1 AM when I was younger. And now as I age as gracefully as I can, uh, we go, we start getting ready for bed much earlier. So like nine thirty, ten o'clock, we start getting ready for bed. So that means like no more electronics at nine thirty. Uh, I, I am not as disciplined with that as I should be, but we start, we don't start new activities. Like we, uh, we're not actively watching a TV show. We may have, uh, like entourage is like a favorite or Mad Men. We Something have, we've seen. Have it on in the background. Yeah. We're not really paying attention. We're trying to wind down, um, you know, getting the dogs ready for, you know, letting them out, getting back, going back to the room, shutting the lights off, like getting in the bed. Uh, and so generally before 11 o'clock every day, I'm asleep. Nice. Uh, every now and then, like if I have a late basketball game, it's hard for me to wind down. Yeah. So I'll stay up. Like last night I stayed up and did some writing that makes me want to go to sleep real quick. <laughs> He's uh, like, I have work. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I, I think I, and consistent bed and wake up times. You talked about my whoop. Yeah. That's something that I think has really changed since I started wearing it. Uh, two years ago because I just wasn't as disciplined with that. And what yeah. I've learned is consistent uh, bedtime, consistent wake time, early morning sunlight, and some sort of movement is a great recipe for me to have a good mental health day, a good physical health day, a good diabetes day. And you can have that too. <laughs> just <laughs> with seven easy payments of eight hours of sleep I'm a just night. Kidding. But that was, no, that's good. Um, and I like that. Maybe it's, I don't know. It's something I've been talking about a lot with my trainer is like how much sleep I'm getting as a person and just like all the chatter that's in your mind and how to quiet that chatter, especially as a person with diabetes who's always thinking about her blood sugars. So, well, I think too, uh, something I talked to my sister about because we often felt guilty for, you know, cause they tell you eight hours. I even just said it eight hours. Yeah. Some people need less. Uh, some people need more. And 
you know, you act like, do, you, do I like to sleep? Yes. Like when I was a kid, I would sleep in all the time. Well, you're also like growing to the ginormous well, that, human that you are. That's part of it too. But you know, like uh, LeBron famously in, in an interview a couple of years ago uh, talked about he sleeps like 10 hours a day. Uh, because he has to recover, and 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 that's part of that recovery. I don't want to make it a long episode, and this, but because we can end it off on sleep. But I was hearing, I read something that said sleep was a scam. Like the way that we sleep is set up to benefit the nine to five business day, and like before humans would sleep, you know, with that whole like before that, yeah, because it's like you would take naps if you needed to, like you would do what your body needed. But now because we have to work nine to five, it's like that's why you're supposed to get eight hours. So I'm not here to advocate for the nine to five or forty hour work week. Uh, but I will say our bodies are on a circadian rhythm. So like sunlight, uh, in the morning is super important. Again, okay. Huberman lab, if you want to cite the sources, like getting light on your skin and your eyes early in the morning will help you wake up. It like helps create cortisol for those of us who make cortisol. I know that there's some little bit chronic illnesses that don't make that. Right. Um, and then also low light in the evening. So when the sun's going down, tells your body that it's time to, to start to wind down. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think our body is in tune with the earth. So the less time we spend outside, the less time we spend interacting with sunlight, with water, uh, the more out of whack that we can become. Uh, Interesting. And so, yeah, not to go all liver king on you guys, but... Uh, not liver king, you know, that guy. Uh, we had to put a picture of him right here. Yeah, liver king. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so I really do think um, sleep is so, so important. And for a lot of reasons, people with diabetes don't necessarily get the sleep that they need. Uh, and some of them are not diabetes related things like, uh, like technology, like nightlife. Uh, you know, one thing I learned from the whoop as well, like nothing disrupts your sleep quite like alcohol. Uh, it really does change the way that your body goes to sleep. Uh, so, you know, do yourself a favor and to what extent you can try to be consistent with your sleep times and wake times, because as you know, the diabetes is out there to steal that sleep from you. For sure. And that's just going to create a cycle of sleep debt, and it's really difficult. So catch your Zs, listen to diabetics doing things, keep it locked on the gram because we're going to be dropping some content. Yeah, really excited about yeah. the stuff that we're working on. Uh, by the time we do our next in-person episode, we'll have updates on the North Texas Food Bank collaboration. Yes. Working on providing uh, people with diabetes in North Texas who are food insecure with the resources that they need to thrive and live with diabetes or even just get access to a doctor or a clinic uh, to, to help meet their basic needs. And then also just like finding, I feel like I've been learning so much during this project. Like just, I, I can't wait for you guys to see this content. Like it's some of the stuff. stuff we were talking about today, I'm just like, it's fire. Like, yes. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, also, I'm gonna be doing uh, for our, this is this will be our 200th episode um, on the feed. We've done 243. This one, 200? So this will be 200. We've done 243 total. Um, I'm going to do a solo episode kind of outlining what we're doing at Diabetics Doing Things, sort of a manifesto to update you guys on the stuff behind the scenes, we'll talk about the job board. We'll talk about uh, practical information for living with diabetes from the experts and what you can expect for the rest of 2022 and beyond uh, from Diabetics Doing Things. So thank you guys for uh, your submissions to the mailbag. Uh, shout 